Hello everyone, and welcome back to Escaping Collectivism. This week we will be talking about the recent bank failures that have occurred. The bank that seemed to fail first was Silvergate, then there was San Francisco Valley Bank, SVB, then there was the New York Signature Bank, then there was Credit Suisse, which got a major cash infusion uh, from the Swiss Central Bank and did not fail but did have a major buyout. And then there was First Republic, which was also in California that has had a major cash infusion and is still floundering. Most of this will be focused on SVB. To begin with, Silvergate failed, mostly because when FTX failed, a whole bunch of crypto investors went to pull their money out. Silvergate was pretty much entirely dedicated to the crypto market when FTX failed, people went to withdraw to provide those funds. Silvergate had to sell off bonds and securities that it had, and it had a $1 billion loss on that sale. SVB was a similar situation. Uh, it catered mostly to startup tech companies and startup healthcare companies, which usually had a large quantity of investor capital in them. With inflation going up and interest rates rising, investor capital was down, so a lot of these companies were having to draw money from their own uh, holdings and their own stocks and their own bank accounts. And when they went to do so, SVB also had to sell its government bonds and securities, and it had a $1.8 billion loss. So as SVB was floundering and a run on the bank was occurring, the federal government and the Fed did not step in to stop it. It was California regulators that stopped this. They then handed it over to the FDIC, but the Fed did nothing to stop this from happening. New York Signature Bank was much the same as SVB. Credit Suisse was also over-leveraged. And First Republic was also overly invested in the bonds market, which with the increased interest rates has bottomed out the bond market. They're losing money. There are actually $620 billion in unrealized losses in the United States banking system due to those bonds. So unrealized losses are assets that have lost value since purchase, but they have not yet been sold. So there's $620 billion of lost value that banks currently have on the books, and if they have to liquidate their bonds and securities portfolios, they will lose that money, and that money will show up on the balance sheet, and some of those banks may also fail. These banks failing are not because of bad loans to people who can never pay it back. This is due to the government having kept interest rates artificially low through COVID lending at 0% when interest should have been going up, and they were selling bonds at the same interest rates. And now that the Fed has raised interest rates multiple times, the bonds they are selling now are valued considerably more than the bonds that were sold prior, so those bonds will have to be sold for a loss, which is where the $620 billion in unrealized losses currently sits in the U.S. economy.
So let's talk about the response to SVB failing. As SVB cratered, the California regulators stopped it and they handed it over to the FDIC. The FDIC is only supposed to insure up to $250,000 per person per bank. So if you as the listener have an account with one bank that has $250,000, you're insured up to that amount. But if you had, say, three different accounts and each account had $100,000 in it, you would only be issued insurance up to $250,000. Now, with the failure of SVB and with the failure of New York Signature Bank, the FDIC, along with the Fed, and with concurrence from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and President Joe Biden, have decided to make all of the depositors whole. Now, they have stated that this comes at no expense to the taxpayer, which is in a roundabout way wrong and incorrect. So taxpayer money is not going to fund these people's bank accounts. What is happening is every bank pays into the federal uh, insurance fund that the FDIC controls. So typically, each person or each uh, group of signatures at the bank would only receive up to $250,000 back, but in this case, they're receiving tens of millions of dollars. Over 90% of the deposits in SVB were uninsured. This bank was the bank for tech startups, for healthcare startups, and for the uber wealthy. This was not for everyday Americans. This is not protecting everyday Americans. This is protecting expensive companies who had stupid CFOs who put money where it shouldn't have been. Part of the $250,000 is that anybody who has more than $250,000 in a bank has a moral hazard to check out the bank to make sure that they're making good investments, that they are not over-leveraging themselves. And now that Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, the Fed, and the FDIC have decided to bail these people out with money that was never supposed to go to them, means that there is no moral hazard anymore. And they have essentially just ended the local banks. So let me, let me back that statement up. Janet Yellen testified before the Senate that this decision was extremely odd to bail out both of these banks, or bail out the depositors of these banks entirely. And she said that it is unlikely that they would do this for a small-town bank or a, a middle America bank that does not have a large amount of business but just individual donors or individual depositors. So going forward, you're beginning to see large depositors, which provide cash flow and revenue for these small banks, pull their money out and go to these bigger banks because they now know that if a bank that Joe Biden has deemed too big to fail that they don't have to worry about that that bank is a sound institution that's loaning to people who can pay it back, that's making good investments. It doesn't matter if it's a bank that Biden likes and that Yellen likes and the Fed and the FDIC like, then you're all good. Don't worry about it. We're going to cover you no matter what. You can play stupid games, and we'll still protect the people who put money in your bank.
So what that is going to cause is a centralization of the banks. You're going to start to see, and this won't be fast, this will be over the next 15, 20, 30 years, but local banks will stop to exist. They're not going to have the funds to continue going. Why would you put your money somewhere if you have over $250,000 in, in, in the bank account? Why would you put your holdings with a bank that if it goes belly up, no matter if it's the bank's fault or just the economy's fault, that money's gone. Where you can put it with a larger bank that falls into the favor of the elite and you don't have to worry about it. You're going to get your money back that all these bank accounts have to pay into, that all these banks have to pay into. So on that insurance fund, like I said, that's getting paid into by every single bank in America, what that's going to entail by bailing all these people out is that there's going to be higher FDIC rates for all of the banks, which means banks will have to start paying more into this fund to continue to operate which means that they're going to charge they're going to give you a lower interest rate on your savings account where you're already seeing basically a 0% interest but there will be no increase in that interest rate whereas in with inflation increasing and with the interest rate increasing from the Fed you would expect to see a higher rate of return on your savings account you will not see that by choosing to bail out the rich of the rich with SVB and New York Signature Bank, you, as a common individual, will not see an increased rate on your savings, at least not to the amount that you should with the way the Fed has raised interest rates. You will also see worse loan terms because the banks will have to make up the money. They're not just going to t eat that profit loss because they have to pay a higher FDIC fee now. They're going to make you eat it. Remember, banks are a business. They don't just exist to do nothing. They exist to make money. And they're not going to let Joe Biden's stupid decision cut into their profit line when they can just cut into yours. So at the end of the day, the taxpayer is not footing the bill. Every single American who has a bank account is. We're all going to lose because of it. Now, these banks failed because of poor investment, but of course, you know, part of the statement that's been made is that Trump rolled back some regulations on banking while he was in office, specifically the Dodd-Frank law. What they did is they took the amount of holdings that the bank had to have to be under extra scrutiny and extra stress testing. The president of the New York Signatory Bank was one of the people who authored that. And he has come out and said that Trump's deregulation had nothing to do with these failures. These failures are due to the government securities going belly up because the Fed waited too long to raise interest rates and then has jacked them up extremely quickly, devaluing the bonds and securities they had issued before. That is the problem. Not the deregulation that Trump did. These banks both had over $100 billion in assets, and they still would have fallen under the ability of the Fed to have extra scrutiny, and they chose not to. These banks also had massive increases in their holdings during COVID because the tech industry had a small bubble. These are all things that experienced analysts at the Fed should have been able to see. 
they should have been able to pick up on, and they should have handled accordingly, but they didn't. They let these companies grow at an unprecedented rate. They let them invest in things that made no sense. They didn't stress test them like they should have, and they failed. And now we're going to cover them. We're going to cover the depositors who didn't have, who didn't bother to think about their moral hazard while investing tens of millions of dollars in these banks. Don't worry about it. Joe Biden's got him. He'll get them right out of the hole. Make sure they have their money. He made sure they had their money within 72 hours. It's pretty nuts, considering he still hasn't made it to East Palestine and Ohio. They have cattle dying, fish dying. Nope. But that's middle America, and they vote red. And San Francisco and New York both both vote blue. They both have donors. They've got some donors at both of those banks who wanted their money back. So uh, they got priority treatment. Joe Biden was up at 9 a.m. to give a statement on the SVB failure and the New York signatory failure. Meanwhile, he uh, jetted halfway around the world to Ukraine uh, when he should have been in East Palestine, Ohio. So just remember, if you think he cares, got to remember what kind of person you are because you may not fall into the right group for him to get up and let you know everything's going to be okay. Some other fun things going on in the banking industry. You now have Saudi Arabia, who's thinking about selling to China in the yuan. Now, there's debate over whether or not this will be impactful, but it definitely will not have a positive impact. Now, that is because the U.S. dollar and the euro but we're going to talk about the dollar because this is America. The dollar is a fiat currency. Now, a quick definition of a fiat currency. It is a government-issued currency that lacks intrinsic value. It's not based on gold, silver, any kind of holdings, land, none of that. It has value because we tell you it has value. It has value because of the supply and demand of that currency and of the stability of the issuing governments. It's basically worth what people are willing to believe it is worth. The reason the dollar is worth something and monopoly money is not is because when you go to the store they will accept the dollar. They won't accept monopoly money because there's no confidence in monopoly money. But at this point with the bonds and securities failing the confidence in the dollar is also dropping which will just increase inflation. It is not going to make anything better. But back to it, the U.S. is a dollar, is a fiat currency. It's not based on anything. It's based on supply and demand and make-believe. The U.S. is also the reserve currency for the world because it is the petrodollar. So in the 1970s, Saudi Arabia and the U.S. made a deal that the U.S. would supply Saudi Arabia with protection and weaponry, and Saudi Arabia would make sure that all oil deals around the world are conducted with the U.S. dollar. That's what we export. We export arms and the ability to buy and sell oil. To put this in perspective, the foreign exchange market is about $6.6 .6 trillion per day in value. 80% of those transactions have a dollar on one side or the other. So they're either buying or selling dollars 
and that is to then go and buy or sell oil. The reason the U.S. economy is able to live on as it is with our very few exports is because it is the reserve currency of the world. If the U.S. was not the petrol dollar, if we were not the basis for that market, all of our luxuries, everything would disappear. We do not produce enough to rightfully justify our economic success. This is based off of the fact that the dollar is the petrol dollar and it is the reserve currency of the world. So with China and Saudi Arabia moving to deal directly in the yuan means that the value of the dollar will continue to fall further. Now Saudi Arabia specifically called out America's god-awful surrender in Afghanistan and our botched withdrawal there, as well as the lack of stability that we have going on under Joe Biden's leadership. They have specifically stated that these are the reasons they're considering dealing with China directly on the yuan and not using the dollar. An interesting thing about the petrodollar is before this, if anything happened where the dollar was threatened, you would very quickly see some interesting revolts or NATO action against a country. Uh, two key examples. Uh, in 2003, when Iraq is invaded, uh, they had just recently stated that they were going to start selling their oil in euros, not dollars. And then they are invaded for uh, WMDs, which we now found out to be a massive lie because WMDs did not exist. But the threat to the petrodollar did. In 2009, Libya proposed selling oil in gold. 2011, a NATO-backed uprising ends Gaddafi's reign. Just coincidental. Two key threats to the petrodollar and both end in some type of U.S.-involved, or at least U.S.-supported, revolt or invasion. So like I said, moving forward where this is going to go is you're going to see confidence in smaller banks fall. You're going to see smaller banks start to close and be bought out by larger banks because the large depositors will move to banks that are deemed too big to fail. A prime example of that is going on right now as I speak. First Republic had a major $30 billion cash infusion and still sees their shares falling and are now considering either a continued cash infusion, which would mean more loans from more of the major banks, or possibly a straight-up buyout and selling the bank and closing it off and providing all of the accounts to a larger bank such as J.P. Morgan, Chase, any of those, Goldman Sachs. So if you think that, oh, this won't happen, it's happening now. But the immediate result will be increased inflation. We will continue to see the dollar drop in value. And I would be willing to bet that you'll see a lot of large investment firms over the next week, two weeks, 
swap a lot of dollars for euros, because euros seem to be a little bit more stable at this moment, and then swap them back for dollars after a couple weeks once the value of the dollar has dropped, and then they can then get more dollars for the euros they had purchased. It'll be interesting to see where things shake out. But one thing's for certain, the value of the dollar is not going to go up. <laughs>